0: Hello everybody! Welcome back to Unscripted. Uh, I'm your host, Matt, aka Cut Corners. Uh, we're, we've got a show about the power of music. Um, if you know, you know, uh, and if you don't, thank you for tuning in for the first time. Um, yeah, it's great to have our guest, our special guest today. Um, our guest has been one of my favorite TikTok accounts for a while now. After stumbling across his page, I felt like I had met a really cool friend who's into music and was putting me on to cool new things and concepts. Uh, with an inc- incredibly sophisticated taste and knowledge of stuff that I care about. Um, and you can follow Derek G on TikTok, which I highly recommend by just typing in exclamation point uh, follow in the chat if you're and, uh, tuned in on Twitch. So without further ado, please welcome Derek G, a.k.a. G, De- G Derek, to Unscripted. What up, what up Derek?
1: G <laughs> hey, Derek. Hey. I, yeah, someone took my name after I deleted my early TikTok. So that, it should have been Derek G and now it's G Derek, but thank you.
0: <laughs> I didn't realize this was uh, uh, Derek G or G Derek 2.0 for TikTok. Yeah, yeah,
1: Yeah, no, uh, I, I had an account very early and then I was like, screw social media, deleted everything. And then when I rejoined, I'm like, damn it, someone else took us.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I just noticed that uh, YouTube has announced that you can have handles now. So I quickly scooped the one up because yeah, totally for that same reason. You don't want to lose same. out.
1: Same. Thank nice. you for having me. Thank you for the nice introduction.
0: Yeah, man. Well, look, it's it's really great to have you here. And like I said, um, it was it was crazy. Like you know, TikTok is one of those funny places where you don't know what you're going to get, and eventually the algorithm will show you some things you're interested in. And when I when I was like, I, I stumbled across your page, I was like, holy shit, this guy likes all the same stuff I care about. And I here I was, I thought I was I was kind of niche, but you know, um, I don't know. Like it's it's the great thing about TikTok, I guess, is it shows you stuff you care about.
1: I, I, the word niche is funny because people say like, oh, your stuff is super niche, but also not. And I think that's, my mindset has always been like, there's enough people in the world that the stuff that I care about or we care about is not niche, you know? So whether it's hi-fi or like weird samples or stuff like that, there's like people care about this stuff. And I never thought of it as a niche channel of like very small people interested in things. I like, I bet a lot of people would be interested in what they talk about. So it's a It's nice that the platform exists to kind of connect
0: people like us absolutely, man. That's the best thing about it is is kind of that i guess reassuring that yeah, what we like is valid, <laughs> you know, especially because it can feel niche right
1: yeah, yeah, it can you just you think it's all in your head, but there's so many passionate people out there interested in discovering music stories and stuff like that
0: yeah um now just to state the obvious you know you're you're based in Australia, you're based in Sydney, is that mm. right I am. And how's everything going in Australia at the moment?
1: Let me think. Uh, Australia is funny. It's like, it's always fine, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Generally, you know, there's 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 bullshit like anything else. But um, it's, you know, the weather's good. It, it, the, you know, uh, politically, things are pretty calm, you know? Um, so... Yeah, I, I, I can't complain. I think, you know, I used to live over in the US and I think it's, uh, um, it's kind of nice to be home, I think, considering, you know, you can do a lot of your work from, from your desk to, to the rest of the world. So yeah, Australia's great.
0: That's awesome, man. Um, so as you may know, Serato is a New Zealand based company right next door. Um, so it's kind of nice uh, to have someone from the South Pacific on the, on the chat, you know, for, for a, a change, I guess.
1: <laughs> Very impressive, a New Zealand company. You know, it's not something you immediately think of.
0: Yeah, but similarly, actually, and I don't know if you've talked about this, but it was really cool that, um, uh, you know, Australia and New Zealand have both had some really Im- important um, innovations in technology. Like, I think it was the Fairchild Synthesizer is an Australian invention, is that right?
1: Mm, uh, that I don't know.
0: I think it is, yeah. And, and that was like one of the first sampling uh, synth- synthesizers ever it was like the huh. computer screen and this keyboard i maybe we'll uh, we'll have to investigate this one further another, another wow time. but yeah
1: well it's like wi-fi or something came from australia i swear or oh, gps i think it was gps something oh, like really? that and it's just yeah it's just like you wouldn't connect that together but um yeah go serato huh
0: <laughs> well yeah also go australia because um i wanted to ask you real quick um i know you've also been involved in radio and one of mm. uh, my favorite radio stations from Australia is Triple J. Um, mm. And, um, when I was a youth growing up in New Zealand, Aotearoa, we'd get the Triple J Hottest 100 compilation CDs. Uh, might be dating my aging myself here, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but they were always like a really great opportunity to learn about new and exciting music from the world and also Australia. And I feel like that was something that I thought uh, Triple J has always really done. And Australia, as a matter of fact, has always done really supported their own musicians. Uh, would you agree?
1: For sure. I think that comes with its pluses and minuses. But for sure, I think that there is no other country that I can think of that has a platform like Triple J, where you can go from nobody to somebody really quickly, where there's this thing called Unearthed, where you can upload tracks there. And it's like an Australian-only radio SoundCloud, where it's like, wow. people are looking. A&Rs from around the world are looking at it, record labels, you know, um, Triple J. And if it's good, and if you brand it well, you can be on unearthed radio, which is a digital station. And then if that does well, it can be on triple J within a week type thing. And really? then it like national radio, and then you can be on festivals and tours and you can be signed immediately. And so it's because of the relative size of Australia, I think it's the perfect size to do something like that in America. It would be like, there'd be a song uploaded <laughs> every millisecond. It'd be so hard to follow. Um, but I think that that is a very powerful and special thing. But it does come with its attractions as well, which I think is like, uh, it's the alternative national platform for, for music. And so like, if, if they don't deem it appropriate, they've missed a lot of things as well. Like very obvious, big artists that have a globally international, and they kind of missed it. So they kind of can't support it even now because it's like, oh, we didn't find it early and we, it was too early for our ears. And so, that's past now, so it's a it's a weird it's a weird thing, but I think ultimately I think it's a tremendous tremendous platform
0: who would be a good example of of somebody that they missed not to put them on blast or anything, but just <laughs> i think
1: I think hiatus coyote is a good example
0: ah yeah, where is.
1: it's like neo soul um definitely slower groovier than like more of the rock stuff that they're known for and you know, Grammy nominated can sell out shows in America, around America, but can't sell out shows as quickly in Australia. And it's just kind of, they should be the darlings of it, but they're just like not, and like um, that's, yeah, that's, that's probably the best example I can think of.
0: That's a really good point though, um, because yeah, Hiatus Coyote are one of like the most celebrated artists that I can think of from Australia in the US, North America. Uh, primarily because their sound fits so well into that R and B jazzy. Uh, I mean, you know, it's such. I mean, their their latest album and all the remixes. They're mm. so good. Like I've actually, I'm really glad you brought that up because I love that remix album they put out, and the fact yeah. that they worked with so many cool artists on that remix project as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I worked with their team a little bit. The you know the the team is really great, uh, really passionate, and um, you know I think you can get a bit kind of close-minded about like what an alternative radio audience wants mm. and so you can kind of like just miss a few shots but that's bound to happen with any radio right i guess like radio one's gonna miss some big artists because they just think it's not relevant and it, it's massive over there or something like that so but yeah they're they're a very special acts that can sell out brooklyn any day of the week type thing but sydney you're gonna have some trouble like not yeah it's gonna be harder it won't be it won't sell as fast which is crazy
0: yeah, I, I could see that. That That's unfortunate, though. Um, people yeah. don't know what they're missing out on with Hyotis County. Yeah, they're sure. like one of the most crazy bands of all time.
1: So talented. So
0: talented. Yeah. I, and I, I mean, I think about Australia always does so well on the international stage, uh, you know, musically speaking, despite the smaller population, you know, I'm thinking of like some of the most impactful artists of now, Flume, Tame Impala, things mm. like that. And mm. There's even a burgeoning drill scene I've heard, which was quite impressive yeah. actually. Um, yeah. Is there, um, is there any notable Australian artists that you think we should be aware of coming out right now?
1: There's there's so many. Um, you know, I, I harp on a lot about uh, K-pop, because I find it's, and it's a significant part of the music industry that doesn't get talked about enough in the West, I guess it's more exotica, but I think, there are tons of Australians in K-pop and I think that's really fascinating as like, you know, if, if you grew up here, they're from the suburbs, like they're not from, they're not wealthy. They're not, and they apply and they get to these things and they've got like 20 million followers on Instagram and then nobody's here, you know? And I think that's such like a weird thing to me that like you can have these like kind of whatever Sydney high school kids now like international superstars, but if you name them to anyone here, they'll know like the person that won Australian Idol in 2007, 10 times, 100 times over the person that's like big around the world in K-pop. So I think that like, you know, I'm not trying to be like the maddest proponent for it, but I think it's super interesting that like the high, um, the high amount of Aussies in K-pop. And I think it's because proximity to mm-hmm. Asia Pacific, lots of Asians, lots of Koreans in Australia, um, and they can speak English, which helps in for, for marketing purposes for those. So I think that's always really interesting to me.
0: Yeah, I was thrilled to to learn actually, um, my niece is a very big fan of K-pop and specifically Blackpink. And yeah. um, I was thrilled to learn that, that two of the members, one of them is from Australia, one of them is from New Zealand. And I was right. like, that's crazy. And then, um, yeah. yeah, and like you said, I think that the, you know the musicians that are involved in a lot of the production of K-pop as well are from all parts mm-hmm. of the world, which is always really cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Once, once you get to, once you get so, so deep into being into music, you end up going full circle from like hating pop and thinking pop is the worst to really appreciating the craft of what pop can deliver in terms of like satisfying music. Um, and they're the, the best songwriters are all in K-pop, you know, um, doing some incredible things. So I, I marvel at it from a pure, like, you know, creative production artistry standpoint as much like do i think it's as great as some of the like um western counterparts like i think it's you know it's got a place but it's very manufactured but the songwriting can be incredible
0: yeah i think i I, yeah i know what you mean but i think it's almost like you can't paint the old k-pop with the brush right like it's it's nuanced as well like indeed indeed. western music surely Yeah, yeah yeah for sure yeah that's really cool though um now the other thing I want to talk about with Triple J is they have this series called Like a Version. Uh, you're probably mm. familiar with it. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've always thought it's so cool. Um, and um, I wanted to know if, if, do you have any like notable or you know favorite cover versions that you know you'd like to share? Not to put you on the spot too much.
1: Hmm. Hmm. A great question. Um, there's a there's a rap group called One Three Hundred. They're like a, a, a sydney korean australian rap group and they do a, a version of Gangnam style which is pretty funny um uh but uh i think i've been thinking you know i've been thinking a lot about like i've wanted to like think about t- doing a TikTok on like the formula of what makes a like a version successful and i think that there's like particular markers you need to hit um which i'm still processing and i think it's about like it's got to be like throwback enough for the widest pool of audience to think that it's like <laughs> they want to hear that cover because if you're being too smart and like too on brand it's not gonna work like I've got a lot of, I, I used to work with her but I've got a lot of love for S- Sampa the Great uh, she did Damn which makes sense for her for K- Kendrick's um, I don't know, humble or whatever DNA um, yeah makes sense for a great rapper but it's like it almost makes too much sense. In, in hindsight, I wouldn't have known, you know. But then, you you know, people love hearing, like, remakes of covers from, like, when they grew up and, like, interesting. So And, and like, people that are much smaller than Sampo can have much more success on, like, a version because you're doing, like, Blink-182 or you're doing Rage Against the Machine, you know, the, de- the famous Denzel Curry one. Um,
0: oh, yeah, that's th- right. I,
1: and I think it's also, like, how seriously you take it and how like much energy you put into it, and I think it's also about like, you know, whether you are taking the piss, like whether you're just making fun mm-hmm. of it, or if you're like really, you know, respecting what it is. Or you know, there's so many factors, but I think that there's like almost a, I think there's a science behind it, you know, um, and but I think that at its core, some people try to be too crazy with it and conceptual, where people are kind of want to just be basic and click on like oh I loved you know this big Goo Goo Dolls song or something like that (laughs) and it's sung incredibly really well and it will do well you know yeah the method
0: yeah I think that's a really good point I I love talking about cover versions I've got a friend um, uh, of mine Nina Mendoza who always pulls out the craziest cover versions Um, and I always think like what an opportunity a cover version is to do is to kind of make it your own right and that's Do you think that's the challenge of a good cover version of like being able to not like just do it verbatim and then kind of recontextualize it and almost create a like a version of it that is yours? It depends
1: on your size and scale and impact and reach, you know, like Denzel Curry taking Rage Against the Machines, killing the name of Dead Serious and performing it by the book was incredible because Mm. he'd never seen it before and was totally different to what he does. And he's famous anyway. So he, if he did a jazz cover of it, it's going to be like, what the fuck, you know? Whereas, you know, I think if you're smaller, you've kind of got less to lose. And, but then I think that those people I've seen like hotline bling, let's do a like quirky version of hotline bling that kind of no one asked for and no one's heard of you. So it's like, (laughs) You're better off taking a really classic song that everyone's forgotten about and doing it really well and people going like, wow, this person did it perfectly and so amazing. So I don't know. Um, I think cover versions done right can really change a lot for an artist in terms of turning you onto a whole new audience. But I also know that like, Spotify used to do it on their YouTube and you have massive artists and it'll get like a hundred views because like it just, <laughs> it doesn't connect. I watch, I look at all of these things and kind of like think about why they don't work and why they do work. Um, I think ultimately the Denzel one is a good example of like, he chose a song that like is like s- almost in line with who he is as a person and in his soul. And po- possibly the, the, the answer is like finding that song that is like completely different to you, but like completely in line with who you are as a, as an individual. And that's when it works the most, rather than trying to be too clever about like, you know, what is a remix that no one's ever heard before.
0: I love that. I really like that. Um, and I'm thinking of like, now that we're talking about, I'm just thinking of like songs that are crazy that I just knew before I even realized they were a cover song, you know, like soft Cell, tainted love. Like I didn't even know that was a song before you know like i didn't know that was a soul song you know
1: yes yes that's true and there's a whole like the, i know there's series on on tiktok of stuff of like um, cover songs songs that you didn't know were covers type things like that famous nelly umbrulia song or whatever it was a cover or you know um which so like, many examples of that
0: hang on hang on that seems we're we got to touch on that for a moment because Nelly umbrulia definitely high school crush for you know south pacific <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which song was the cover? Do you, can, do you recall? Uh,
1: I'm gonna find out for you because of the powers of the internet. Torn, Torn, okay. her big song. Oh, okay. Um, was a cover. Um, Danish song written for Danish singer, Liz Sorensen. Oh, wow. And recorded by rock band, Edna Swap. But her, her song Torn is a cover. And that was, you know, short hair in the apartment things moving behind the scenes. You, you
0: think Big that tune. was her song? Big tune, yeah, Torn. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Uh, yeah, that was the one for sure. Um, yeah. Crazy, that's a good, that was yeah. really, that's perfect. Like we've got, we've kind of covered it all there. We've got Aussie content, <laughs> classic cover version that you didn't know. That was really good. I can't believe you pulled it Well, like
1: on that, I was talking about it yesterday with someone because this is like super niche, but like um, I posted a video last week about J Electronica sampling richie sakamoto uh, a track that richie recorded for um babel the film and that song was also sampled by trey songs and mr hudson um and like coincidentally at the same time with this same piano song but then that song that was from babel is there's an original song by richie sakamoto from 97 which is like a pop song so it's like it's sometimes there's a there's a, almost a series in like where where the the cover Ryuichi covered his own song is better than the original and like um there's like yeah there's the kind of series of did you know this was a cover but then there's also like ones that made it 10 times better um which is its own craft i think
0: yeah yeah absolutely um well there's there's two components to this now that since we're on the subject First of all, I feel like I, I can't believe I missed this until now because of your interview with um, Mr. Hudson. But um, there is a very a fantastic cover of uh, Paranoid, which is, I think he wrote that for, um, what's it called? He wrote that for Kanye West, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And there's a, a, a Japanese girl pop group called The Susan. Have you heard this before? Susan? No. Okay. So this is pretty old. Um, I'm just gonna have to um, skip some ads here. Um, excuse me for a moment. <laughs> but uh, this band called the Susan—they were on, had a release, I think, on Fool's Gold back in the day, or, or Scion. Um, it was one of these back in 2008 when they did cool stuff like that, where they had <laughs> Scion money to burn. Um, anyways, this was, you know, Bloghouse peak Bloghouse. You can tell by the, the outfits. Let's have a look here.
1: Oh wow! Yeah.
0: So. This is their cover of the Mr. Hudson penned song, Paranoid, which I'll play a snippet of if you're okay with go that. Go on. Let's go. Yeah. 11 years short there because uh, you know just gotta be Copyright. respectful of all, all that stuff but yeah the Susan cr- incredible band if you like ESG you'll love the Susan
1: true true it's very ESG-ish except Japanese and full of like traditional Japanese instruments love that yeah my, my favorite not to like give Tin too much light at the moment but my favorite Kanye West album
0: oh that is that 808s and Heartbreaks right? Yeah. 808s yeah yeah revolutionary crazy time that one.
1: Exactly. Um, it's like the, the music fans choice. <laughs> yeah.
0: And the packaging. Oh my gosh. That was like the, yeah. the, like I never got the vinyl. It was a bit too rich for my blood at the time. Um, but holy smokes, the packaging on that with the, was it cause? Yeah. Didn't cause. Cause. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Man. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay. One more thing on cover versions. Um, and mm. love Lisa brought it up. Shout out love Lisa. Thank you for in the chat. What up kid Ku? We got the, the, the squad tuned in. Um, burnt CDs, so I see what? them in there. Um, the, but uh, Love Lisa brought up uh, how much she likes reggae covers. And I'm a big fan of reggae covers also. And mm. I think if I could offer anything to anybody listening or yourself, Derek, um, there is a fantastic uh, compilation called For the Love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, are you familiar with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good, right?
1: Mm. Amazing.
0: Yeah um the, the, the gap band l charles uh, outstanding cover is insanity and the christine lewin juicy fruit cover mind-blowing
1: <laughs> there's there's a lot of gems especially on that that, that record this you know i've been listening to, to the second one that's the first one, Oh right? yeah
0: part two i haven't heard this yeah. one
1: um I think there's, there's multiple, there's multiple, but yeah, definitely well, well worth the time.
0: Is there anything off this one that you'd recommend? Um, Um,
1: I'm terrible with things off the top of my head, but um, uh, you might need somebody. Um, Sylvia Teller.
0: Okay, that one. Yeah, okay. I'm going to, again, listen to this a little bit later, uh, but thank you. I'm, I'm only just learning was volume two because yeah, this is this was one of my goals who was like this was kind of like Oh, oh, do you like reggae? Oh, do you, do you know this kind of thing? Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep that in your back pocket.
0: Yeah, right uh, Yeah, highly recommend um, All right, so um, Just if we can rewind a bit um, you talked a little bit earlier about how you lived in, in the US for a while and you also lived in mm. London as well mm. as Sydney where, where you're at mm. right now I'm really curious to get some of your observations of the difference in music culture in those, in those cities, countries, cities, if you, Hey,
1: Ooh, so many thoughts. Where, where are
0: you based again? I'm broadcasting from Vancouver, British Columbia, home of Nardwar and, um, uh, the rascals, Michael Bublé.
1: Nardwar, the, uh, the man, the guy, you know, uh, needs to be like, there needs to be a hall of fame and music hall of fame and he should be in it for sure. Um, I think a lot about it and I think the experiences I had were, you know, very specific and you know, it's easy to generalize, but I think that, um, London is the hub. And I think for me, I think that the problem problem in quotes is that because everyone loves music so much that they don't want, like they're very proud of it, not going mainstream Mm -hmm. and not going commercial. Obviously there's commercial acts in, in the UK, Adele, Ed Shear and stuff like that. But I think that's a lot more like this is our culture and this is our stuff. And a lot of artists don't want to sell out. And I think that's very much in their DNA. Um, but because of that, it's like, because London is central and kind of like, sure, lower down in the UK, but like from all sides, people come into this one hub, you've got so many like thriving scenes, um, happening simultaneously um grime or grime or drill or, you know, techno or, or or new jazz or, you know, you've got, you know, minimal piano concerts happening over there and you've got all all this like Afro beats and you know there there's enough people and there's enough cultural diversity all mushed together in one place. And and because radio is still a significant thing because everyone can kind of um everyone's a dj which i found the, the weirdest experience that i had which is like everyone has a usb on them ready to jump on even though no one is asking them to <laughs> everyone's <laughs> ready to throw in their usb and go i'm ready um and you know my my um physio when i hurt my neck oh yeah i'm, I'm a dj you know and then you go over here you go over to some other like you go to the bike shop oh, i'm a dj and it's just there is a ingrained sense of like collection, curation, um, radio history, um, that is ingrained, which I find like, this is why I find it the hub for me because it's like people just know quite a lot about music quite deeply. I'm generalizing, but a lot of people I experienced it just surprised me how much people knew and how deep their record collections were. Um, and I think it's by nature of the fact that London is centralized and it's so diverse. Uh, whereas Australia and America, it is kind of similar because the countries are so huge that you do have different subcultures, but they're in different cities and states mm. and they're never mushed together in the same way and they never kind of like cross over in that same way. So you don't have that. Those, you know, Ed Sheeran was homies with w- Wiley and Dizzy Rascal and stuff like that, which is like, what? You know, but <laughs> that's cool. You couldn't have that here, like here or in the US as much, you know. Um, and I found like you could fall into so many different music scenes in London really easily. Whereas New York, I found harder to kind of grasp the culture, especially cause it's like very money driven. Um, and it felt like, you know, obviously there's lots going on in Brooklyn, but it just felt like a bit more detached and a bit more, um, insular. And I guess like, you know, there's lots of scenes around, um, America, you know, and obviously lots of stuff has come out from different states um, at different times, you know? Yeah. Whether it's Seattle or or Atlanta or things like that. But I feel like it's, yeah, it's so spread out that you can't just like dive in as quickly into scenes because it's like, even though New York is huge, it's like micro scenes, whereas like perhaps in Atlanta, you can have a massive, massive scene because everyone's doing the same thing and moving together and going to the same places. Uh, And then Sydney is like, the population isn't big enough and the, and the, um, the culture is still developing. Um, and I don't think the arts is as valued in every city. And so mm-hmm. it's like, um, it's funny coming back returning and people talking about scenes because like an Afrobeats scene is like a party that happens once a month, you know, which is not, not valid, but it's like completely different to an Afrobeat scene in London. Yeah. Um, so, Um, I think the interesting thing about Australia, what you said earlier about like punching above our weight, I think there's so many talented people in Australia um, because we aspire to the rest of the world. We kind of want to be part of it. So we kind of adopt, we obsess over it because we just feel like no one cares here. And there's so many Australian artists that like, whether it's in the EDM scene or in in the techno scene or in the, you know, in K-pop or whatever, there's people looking to the world going like, I want to be there." And I think that it uh, produces more than a lot of countries because of that.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. Um, it's funny because you're the second person that we've had on here who talked about uh, London in that way where, you know, radio and, and the appreciation of music is so deep for, uh, and, and so vast, uh, you know, in the, in the mm. city, um, which is, you know, I, I think, you know, I really understand that in a lot of ways. You know, it feels like here, or even where I travel to a lot in Los Angeles. Sometimes, you know, it's like you said, there's scenes, and those scenes are supported by a population that's big enough to maintain and make them lucrative and sustainable. I guess, um, mm. but it's almost like you've got to you've got to find that you know, that circle, it's, it's, kind of like TikTok really. Like you've got to figure, let it, let it tell you and then be, kind of latch on and then just keep going back to those things. So you feel like that's your reality in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. But yeah, when you're in a smaller country and I, I mean, I can relate being in New Zealand, it was very much that like the most important, you know, hip hop scene was a cafe on, you know, downtown Auckland and, and it only had a capacity of like 40 people. So it was like, you know, yeah. that was ground It's not, zero. not a scene. No, exactly.
1: Um, But yeah, no. And I think it's like the, what I said about like these kind of melding of scenes as well, because you're kind of falling over each other and like why James Blake is like making like dubstep, but also crooning and playing piano. It's like, because you're just mixing with so many different types and you're able to is like a nature of that city whereas like Sydney or, you know, Vancouver, it's like, um, yeah, it's it it. There's there's pockets of people, but there's not like huge like spilling into one another. Like you'll have a, a, drill gig right next to like a punk gig type thing. You know? Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's also interesting. Like uh, like it's an interesting like something to meditate on is like how do you develop, a scene and make it sustainable? You know how does like I mean obviously London, New York, Los Angeles, you know mm. Paris, uh, Berlin. Uh, Tokyo, like these are destinations for music and musicians to go to, to become successful, you know, Korea, South yeah. Korea, you know, um, yeah. and, you know, people will gravitate and travel and invest their whole life going there for music, whereas yeah. often those people are coming from places like Vancouver or Sydney or Auckland, New Zealand, you know, um,
1: Yeah, <laughs> to- there's, there's been a lot of studies on it, I think, and I think the simple answer is a lot of free spaces for mm young creatives, which sounds very, I'm going to, I don't want to politicize, but very left, right? It's like, just give spaces to artists. It's like, and I'm sure a lot of people would be like, well, all well, and good, but you know, it costs money and all this sort of stuff. And it does, it does. Um, but they just, you know, 18 year old people, kids are putting on underground raves under highways because they love music. And if they can do that safer, and if they can invite people more people can know about it um it just that creates culture it, it's not it's not as much as i have a taste and I have a following i don't know if i'm creating culture like as in like if i just put on a party here and around the world that's different from someone that's like in it and all of their friends are in it and mm. all of their friends are djs and all of their fr- or like ones are uh Keyboardists, one's a techno DJ and they kind of have a space to just put on something weird and they're all young and they're all just being messy. And usually incredible things come out of that. Like whether that happened in, you know, in Manchester in the seventies and eighties and, you know, that sort of thing. It's like, but that takes a lot of, uh, love and respect for culture and music and, and foresight and like knowledge that you're not going to get any return on it until maybe a lot later now people go to Manchester as like one of the meccas of music and you will you you, I'm sure you've had a lot of return financially from a like state and city council point of view (laughs) but you're not going to get it back probably possibly in your lifetime you know yeah
0: yeah that's really interesting you know both um uh, both you know New Zealand and Canada and I imagine Australia too have you know government agencies that invest purely to develop You know, artists and and, and music culture, it's like literally a priority of the government. Uh, And even those fall short, you know, and a lot of it does come to what you just touched on, like space. And, you know, I think about, you know, when we had Zach on, uh, this uh, producer who lived in London, he was talking a lot about the rave scene and how the rave scene in London is very different from the U.S. and other parts of the world. Because the rave scene was built in you know defunct warehouses and you know abandoned buildings and like you said under a bridge and and, and very unconventional mm. spaces that and, and fields and stuff that were kind of you know totally illegal and yeah because of that i was almost like yeah like you're probably not making a lot of money you, you've got the high risk of potentially going to jail for having a party um so you've really got to be committed to it for the love totally. of music which is quite quite amazing that's
1: it and uh you know, governments at the end of the day, they, they don't really get that. They never went to those things. I don't really understand that. And I think, I, I do think someone like myself and yourself is our, you know, responsibility to educate people younger and older than us about the importance of like the long-term impacts of nurturing culture. And I think, I think and talk a lot about like musical significance and the significance on Impact on on different cultures and 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 youth, and I think um, most people in governments have probably a very surface level passion about music, and so they just think that it comes from record labels and that's it. Um, so you know, and I think it's a lot of reason why like a lot of genres and scenes have come out of places like London, whereas like I can't think of one genre that's come out of Sydney. You know, like like a literal, someone's created some new thing. You know, we are mostly like looking at other places to create that for us type thing. So um, yeah, it's all, uh, you know, and say, I was gonna say, let's all move to London, but um, <laughs> I think it's a, hard city to, it's a hard city to live in too. So yeah, you know, and everyone knows that.
0: <laughs> um, I wanted to give a quick shout out to some people in the chat. We got hits Danny in here, random play, um, AKA Matt uh dropped in that the David Byrne book has a great section on creating a scene. I've got to read that book. Um, I do I've, need to read that too. It's been on the wish list. For, I know my dad's got it, so I'll try and sneak that one from him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, Byrne CDs, we've got, we got Sticky Hands, we've got Timber Music. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, yeah, thank you to everyone who's tuned in right now. Yeah. Um, so also, I feel like this is maybe a bit of a personal thing, but um, I, since mm. we're talking about Australian artists, I, I saw that it was Tame Impala's, uh, their album, Lonerism's 10-year anniversary the other day, and I had to give it a bump. Jeez. Um, obviously, such an important artist from Australia. Uh, mm. Would he, maybe one of the biggest right now?
1: Probably. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, unless I'm missing someone, I'd say so.
0: Yeah, maybe Flume or something. Um, but, um, mm. I was going to say, have you heard of his other band, Pond? Is that is that him or is that another artist
1: from Team?
0: Um, well, I know he's involved in it somehow. As
1: in, like another artist, from, yeah, like the bass player from Team. Yeah, a while ago, but I haven't listened to them recently. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they have a really great song called "Sweep Me Off My Feet," and I'm gonna put it in the Discord. Um, we won't play it right now because oh, yeah. I'm sure that will get us <laughs> banned. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's really cool. Like uh, speaking of scenes, like even that somewhere like mm. Perth because of someone like Tain Impala, mm. Tain Impala has brought attention. And I'd even, uh, similarly say like in Canada in Montreal, somebody like Hey Trinata brought a lot of attention, brought a lot of attention to the city. And then people are talking about like a sound. Um, so would you, as would, would you describe, mm. I mean, I know you said there's maybe not a Sydney sound, but would you say there's a, maybe a Perth sound or any kind of, uh,
1: you know, there's a hardcore, You know, hardcore, I think they're for, is Parkway Drive from, or is that, I'm thinking the wrong thing, um, hardcore acts from, from Perth, not having been to Perth, because it's so far away. Yeah, it's (laughs) It's like, it's, yeah, it's like flying New York to LA, but for like, not the comparative version of that. Um, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, I don't know of a Perth sound, I think, um, to be honest, but I think, uh. I don't know. I still haven't reconciled my thoughts on Tame Impala. I I really like Tame Impala. I think I really respect Kevin Parker. I also wonder about the lasting impact on, like, I think what I love about it is it's so nostalgic, but new, but it is very nostalgic. It's very Lenin-esque. It's very (laughs) Pink Floyd-esque um among other things and um i i don't know i guess recently I'm, I'm kind of thinking to myself i don't know why i'm not as big of a fan as i should be if that makes sense because i really like the learnerism and and it's great and inner yeah. speaker you know but emotionally i went to see them at the Enmore theater years and years ago and it Kevin didn't really speak to the audience and it sounded like the CD CD. That's just how old I am. Um, (laughs) And to me, that was kind of a strange experience to be like, Oh, I didn't feel a whole lot from that gig. (laughs) It just sounded like it should have, you know, and maybe that's a disconnect for me. Like, uh, I am very much like a, um, soul, you know, soul, music, you know, jazz type person uh, as as well as other things. But like, I think that I, perhaps I, I'm like now like thinking out loud, That's perhaps it's like missing, missing this, the soul, not our soul, the soul for me. And I think he he's an incredible songwriter and his melodies are so beautiful. But I think I can't, I'm not like my heart doesn't, flutter that often to it you know i don't know now now i'm just rambling
0: <laughs> no 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 I, I think that's very valid and i also was i've read a very similar review of him playing at um uh coachella and they they were they were like this is like so mediocre and i was i think a lot of it might come down to the fact that he's a re, he's 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 like a studio musician and i i, don't, um. I say that without being I don't want to say any, in any disrespect to, to that because I think that that is definitely like an art. I mean, even the Beatles, right? I mean, here we go, going down the old Beatles, you know, path.
1: It always <laughs> comes back to the Beatles.
0: <laughs> well, especially with someone like him, but like a lot of his music is made in, in the studio with the studio in mind. It's, it's like very hi-fi or everything is very considered. And maybe that doesn't translate. Maybe he's just not a good live performer. I think that even with someone like Vicky Farewell, who we had on the show the other uh, a, a while back, we talked about how live performance is the most vulnerable you'll be. And, yeah. you know, that's not for everybody, especially if no. you have to use your voice. And, if you know, especially musicians like, or DJs, a lot of us like to hide behind our instruments. Mm. And when put on the front, it's, like, paralyzing for some of us.
1: Um, yeah, No, that that makes sense i think that he he puts on a spectacle i'm sure nowadays the show would be amazing and it's all i've seen like big screens and light shows and stuff like that but i think i like i like mess i like things (laughs) that like aren't perfect i like experimentation i like rawness and and um a bit of like human um and i think perhaps what it is is like tamer parlor is almost too perfect it's like it's so good that sometimes i I kind of wish it wasn't as, as, as good, you know, um, the packaging is perfect. Everything is like, you don't miss, he doesn't, he doesn't miss, but in that way, it's like, I like the imperfections of, of, of that. So, you know, but that's all with like, I think he's incredible. And obviously he's like hugely influential and has been in every session with every main artist <laughs> major artist of the last decade. So like, he's not worried.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. And it's funny though that you say that too because I think a lot of like um a, a band that that encompassed the imperfections in you know in our in our lifetime or the last 20 years was mm. like the Strokes um you know and I read mm. the wikipedia on the Strokes album and I come back to this I probably even hope I'm sorry if I've if I'm repeating myself to the audience that listens to this podcast but I know that they specifically recorded Is This It with like the cheapest like PV amplifiers mm. and uh, you know, uh, they didn't do any like multi-tracking. It was like all live, Great. and that was specifically because when they wanted to perform live, they wanted it to sound like the record. But it, they they kind of wanted to capture that kind of like just rough and rugged, you know, rough around the edges. Uh, I like
1: that. Yeah, I feel I've I've felt a thousand more things with that record than I have with any Tim and record, you know, uh, and it's not perfect. And the songwriting and the structures aren't as great, but there's something about it, you know, Um, but hey, like, it's really interesting to see like currents from Tame Impala being like, adopted by like Gen Z, Mm. uh, you know, as as one of the greatest albums ever. Um, And that's cool. I think the cover's really cool. I think that there's great songs on it. But yeah, it's really interesting to be like, that's the one that I see more often than anything else on Tiktok is like, not lonerism, not inner speaker, it's currents yeah that's um, which kind of yeah which speaks to the new generation taking you know what wouldn't have been considered their best work now as now their best work and hey you know at the end of the day I'm just a a, a, a guy getting older talking about back in the day don't
0: know <laughs> well it's funny I remember when that record came out um, I want to give a quick shout out to my friend uh, scratch bastard he played me the the song the less uh, not the less I know the better the one that rihanna covered um yeah 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 and he, yeah. he played that to me he's like this is hip-hop like listen to these drums this is hip-hop and it's funny because that record i feel is the one that really bridged Tame impala to like the hip-hop mm. community and people were like oh this guy's dope you know and then he got mm. tracks with travis scott and he's you know whoever yeah
1: there was footage of rihanna singing that track at like the grammys or something like that as tame was performing something like that i think that was one of those moments where it's like you know, the queen, one of the queens is, like, fucks with this, so it's like, okay, <laughs> it's, it must be good, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, also, I wanna give a quick shout out to Arlo Soriano and So it's Sue. I think the, that's how you say the, the username. Uh, um, Arlo's chillin', um, and speaking of chilling, um, I wanted to quickly touch on something that I really enjoy about your content um, with a, like a very deep uh, relativity and passion Is that you know before, like even personally, before I got on the call, I was really enjoying a very tasty pumpkin tea cake with, which is a recipe from the bakery (laughs) Tartine, with an Earl Grey tea. And in a lot of videos, you're a fellow cake and tea connoisseur. um, (laughs) What's been what's been on your menu lately, Derek?
1: (laughs) Uh, Baklava, a lot of like um, sweets from from the you know Lebanese sweets and things like that. Um, too many actually, I don't think my skin appreciates it, but, um, (laughs) I don't know, man. It's funny. Like the, for anyone that doesn't know, like I, it's not a form, it's not a format that I do often, but like, I've done a few videos where I'm like drinking coffee and eating cake and talking about like, um, like these in-ears that I'm I'm wearing or, um, these headphones and stuff. And, um, kind of speaks to who I am. Like I, I needed to film content about these earphones that I was given. And um, I had some coffee and cake with me and I thought, I don't know, let's just record it and see. And I'll unbox it and talk about it. And people really liked it. I think because I've always dreamed of being a tech reviewer, like in, a, in another world, I would have been an MKBHD like phone reviewer. I'm a nerd and that's not my path now, but I think what people liked is it's like, it's kind of a review, but it's also a guy eating and talking and like if it, it kind of is perfect for TikTok, right it feels like like you said at the beginning it's like your friend this wasn't intentional but it's like your friend just chatting and he doesn't he cares but he kind of doesn't care and it's like it wasn't the intention but it was cool to see that it's like that that was kind of the truth i put my camera on press record it was i was eating the cake because i liked the cake but then i also wanted to open this thing that i was also excited by and um it, you know 0.1 of the viewers people would say like just dude, stop eating. Why? I don't care about the cake. But it's like, that's almost the point. That's almost what makes it interesting and more interesting than anyone just going like, shooting really nice shots of headphones and like unboxings and just like these hands that come into frame. It's like, I care as much about eating my cake as I do about this equipment because this cake's delicious. And (laughs) people love it. And it's been really cool. Um, So, you know, I... Now, now I kind of save those moments and those cakes for like if I have a, <laughs> if I have a reason to talk, but they seem to work whenever I do it.
0: Yeah, man. Um, you know, there's a whole section of Twitch dedicated to eating, and I believe the the name for it, I'm probably not saying it right, is mukbang. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. someone can say it in the chat. But yeah, there's a whole like, part of Twitch which you know, I mean, outside of the high fire reviews, you know, it could be a potentially lucrative career for you on Twitch as well, um, <laughs> if you're interested.
1: Just eating, just just eating eating and talking.
0: And I honestly like that's, please continue because I'm curious to know more about, you know, the cakes and pastries that you are choosing because I'm curious to try and uh, taste these things as well. Like, um, you know, it's something, everyone can relate to food, right? I think that's the thing. It's like, I'm not,
1: in some ways, no one said this, but it's like, in some ways I, i kind of breaking the rules of like what you're meant to do when you review something, which is like, it's not a mukbang, but I'm like, but I just, everyone sits, you know, afternoon tea, you sit down and you, you have a little snack and a thing. And why can't I talk about tech at the same time? <laughs> so it's like, but no, it has to be like all structured and this and that. And it's like, no, it's just, I don't know. It's whatever. Um, and yeah, noted next time I'll make sure what have I had. I've had, um, banana bread. And I've mm. had some sort of like lemon drizzle. Um, all cakes are good. all cakes are good.
0: Yeah, there was one that looked particularly tasty. it was It was a kind of a loaf, and it was a pale a creamy color with a nice outside. It was very thick slice. I was very impressed yeah. by the, the the width of it. Um, <laughs> How embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can read into it if you guys want, but you know, like really, the best conversations happen over coffee and tea, or tea and coffee and cake and stuff. Exactly.
1: You know? It's real. I saw a comment about testing the mic on the AirPod Pro Maxes by eating directly into the mic. Like, I would, like, if if I'm never going to buy those AirPods because they're expensive, but if I was given them, I would totally do that. Like, I would just set up and be like, are these any good? And how do they sound? And, and you know, I might get, like, what cake would I want to eat with it? You know, I'm, a, I'm like a, a butter cake type person, mm. so, like... You know, yeah, you're either like a chocolate cake person or a butter cake person. I'm definitely that, but I guess I'm more on the lighter side of things.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that that's an interesting point though, because some people prefer a denser cake, and some prefer a lighter, fluffier cake. And yeah. I, I'm curious to know which which side do you do you sit on. You dense cake, fluffy cake?
1: No, fluffy. Sp- like, give me a sponge cake. Give me something with fruit in it. Like, but that's that's like. I think that very, very much sums up who I am. I'm definitely like light and optimistic <laughs> and, and you know, I'm, I'm definitely not someone that wants the, anything too heavy. Um, but you know, I could have a, a, a lemon drizzle cake any every day of the week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we have, a, if you've come to Vancouver and I do hope that you do, there is a very nice dense uh, citrus uh, olive Ooh. oil cake. And um, we, olive yeah, oil cakes it, are great. It's fantastic. It's like very moist and has a they actually put like pepper, like peppercorns on it. Ooh. It sounds like it would be terrible. Like in fact, I went to the cafe and they were like, "You got to try this cake. You're going to love it because they have a carrot cake which is delicious also." Yeah. And I was like, "What is it?" And they're like, "It's a citrus olive oil cake with pe- black peppercorn." I was like, "Hell no, that sounds disgusting." That
1: sounds like yeah, a savory meal.
0: <laughs> yeah. But truth be told, it was one of the most delicious things. And now I go back on the weekly basis to this cafe for this cake. So um,
1: This is why I joined the Serato podcast to talk about cake, you know? <laughs> I like that.
0: Yeah, man. I'm glad. I'm glad, you know, and I feel like, you know, it can, we can get serious about the music, but we should have some variety and, oh, you know, yeah. get in the cake chat.
1: I'm here for it.
0: <laughs> I mean, we have a series called Serato's Kitchen, not to be too literal plugging Serato stuff, but for beat makers... And the parallels between cooking and music production are just unlimited.
1: It's like so many analogies, right? Shopping and slicing and dicing and all that sort of stuff. It's all there. Especially in the Serato world.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And DJs too, you know? I think a lot of very good DJ uh, sets have correspond to putting together a good meal with timing and what spices and herbs and seasoning you put in at certain times. Um, which does lead me to the next question quite well, actually. Mm. Um, you've had several shows on radio stations like NTS, uh, Sirius mm. XM, etc. Mm. I'd like mm. to know um, how would you describe your shows?
1: I would describe them as everything that's not like. Um, they're definitely more relaxed and definitely more. Um, I like them to. I like to make surprising connections between genres and sounds. I'm definitely not a club. Like I've I've been toying with the the idea about whether I am a DJ because like I'm not I not and have never been a club DJ that plays bangers as much as I love those things. I but there's not really places for someone that plays like down tempo, like well not not many places but like you know if you play Smokey Robinson or or like really slow future tracks. It's like, you're a DJ, but you're kind of, you're like what they say, like a selector or a tastemaker. Like you, people aren't flocking to see you in the same setting, but you do DJ, if that makes sense. Like making those connections. So, um, you know, at at its most basic and what like people enjoyed about my show was that like, yeah, it was like um, Neil Young into future because it was like I do find that there is a spiritual connection there, and not to overthink it, it's it's about like these two go together,
0: mm.
1: and there's nothing better than like like I do it on my TikTok, I do live streams. There's nothing better than like blowing someone's mind by like going from that track into the, that other track and being like, what the hell, that's that worked, that shouldn't have worked, but it does work, and it's like it's all music, and it doesn't, like to me, I don't, I'm not a genre person. Mm. I don't think about things like that. I just think about like oh. You know, it would work with this, that. And I think I'm not trying to switch it up every single time, but I think I'm actually a really bad DJ because when I have DJed and when I go back to back with someone, every second song, I want to completely change the genre (laughs) because I'm like, ooh, you know what goes with this? Bollywood. So then I go, like I play a Bollywood song and the, the other person's like, what? what am I meant to do with this? Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, that sounds but, like a nightmare for me. <laughs> yeah. I,
1: I sh- but I just, I I really love like surprising people with connections that, that they would never have thought of before, but still be into it. You know, um, I've DJed where it's like, I've played like Korean trap and people have never heard it and people don't know what they're saying, but it kind of went with something else and people were really into it, but it makes it harder if you're definitely going back to back. But I think it's, um, that's what I love. I love being able to like surprise people and surprise myself with how interconnected music is from all around the world.
0: Yeah, I listened to one of your NTS shows and it started off with like a Chick Korea jazz song and then it went into a uh, Shaq Wiz album cut that I didn't know. <laughs> and I was like, this is really cool. Like, I don't know this song at all and this is really, both. I didn't know either songs and you know, anytime that happens, I'm always like kind of stoked, especially if it's good and I like it, but yeah. Um, it's just it, it just it it just sounds like it, it's coming from more of a place of just music appreciation, and I and I think like, I mean I don't know if you've been to uh, the Tokyo JB Hi-Fi bar. Um, I haven't. Oh man, highly recommend it. Um, but it's a, an environment where I feel like that kind of approach to music is really celebrated. And in fact, there's there's one uh, in a similar uh, style in uh, Highland Park in Los Angeles. Which is mm. uh, opened up by Peanut Butter Wolf of Stone Store Records. And mm. uh, I, I had the opportunity to play there, and they actually have a rule where they're like, do not try and kill it. If you do that, that that is the opposite Funny. of the goal here. Like, please use, you can't bring your own records. You can't bring a computer or any, they don't have CDJs or anything like that. You are mm. only able to use the records that are on the shelf. Oh, amazing, the fun.
1: Yeah. A challenge. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, It's just, yeah, let's listen to records, man. Like, let's listen to music and appreciate it. And and it's not about starting a dance floor. It's about having a drink and conversation and and enjoying it for what it
1: is. uh, Interesting. I've tried to, like, I think one of the missions that I've kind of realized with my TikTok is I've tried to, like, nurture the idea of appreciating music. All of my, like, the high majority of my audience is young, younger than me. And I want to... The, th- the problem is like appreciation of music and listening to music the way I do often trends very quickly towards audiophile and very quickly mm-hmm. towards like really snobby, like, Oh, you, you know, you've got to listen to it with your eyes closed and the lights off type vibe. And it's just, I think it's changing. I think it's developing. Where like, especially with maybe with the pandemic as well, that like, people like very like, you know, listening on their own and appreciating something, but doesn't need to be like, you go to a hi-fi bar and everyone has to be quiet. And like, I just, I don't think there are places where like, to use a very, very broad basic example, why can't you listen to a deep cut from a Frank Ocean record really loud in a space with friends? Because there's no place for that. Because it's like, you're either going to a club or, where else do you hear that? I, I don't know, you know? And so like, so in those hi-fi bars, it's like, okay, you've got to, like, I always wanted to play at this place in London called Brilliant Corners, but they only had um record players. And I'm like, but like, I don't right. have that many records and I want to play as much Sun Ra as I do Frank Ocean. And I think people would want to hear that, but I, I don't have, I don't have records and it's not, so there's still a ways to go. Cause yeah. I think it's not about, the format that you play on, it's about like, what are you playing and, and where can you play it? And, um, yeah, that, that, that place, they, they have like Japanese food and they clear the tables and people dance. And it's like, that's my kind of thing where it's like, you can chat and listen to good music, but you can kind of shout over the top of it and you can eat some food and then maybe have a little boogie afterwards. But it's like, I think that's still maturing as an idea of like loving all music without having to be a rave, you know?
0: Yeah. I'm really glad you say that and um well there's there's two parts to this tr- tr- uh, Twitch oh, sorry Twitch has been a great place for me for that um and there's a uh, shout out to Arlo and 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 Ice and the people that in in this in the chat right now that are from the um the good music Twitch family where it's it's there's DJing and people are DJing and there is some you know technical aspect to it but a lot of it is just music appreciation. There's a, like a lady called Special Says who just does kind of an like introduction of new artists and new music from her area. That just, mm. it doesn't matter, you know, like there's no dance floor, so it's purely just music appreciation and however you want to mm. present it. That kind of family just really celebrates that. And I love that. And I love that, mm. you know, because it's streaming, there's no dance floor and there's no expectation. Mm. And if mm. people don't want to listen to it, well, they just don't. <laughs> it's like radio yeah. in that way. Um, yeah. And, um, I agree. Yeah.
1: There's, um, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, Amazon has a a new radio platform and stuff. And I think Twitch is the new, new radio platform, (laughs) you know, or live streaming, you know, it's, it's just about like connecting people. There's a chat, you can play things, you can react to things, you can talk to things like, I like in person things too, but like, yeah, I think that there's, that's why i need to get on here
0: well i think also what you're doing on tiktok is 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 that too though you know like um and shout out to uh ricky rock i think i'm saying that right could be right rock but um yeah the best part of tiktok lives in the cool music that i find about and i would say the same thing um and yeah your channel derek or uh on tiktok was was one of those ones i remember you posted a really great um story about uh madonna demos Mm. and the, Mm. the guy that wrote them and how he was in this band, and I am forget his name, apologies, but that was, like, the coolest shit. Like, I was just like, mm. holy smokes, this is what it's all about for me. You know, like, I love that. So, thank you. Oh,
1: and then the people, like, tag me saying they bought this, they bought the bootleg, and, you know, I think it's, like, in my iTunes, I've got all these, like, random, as I'm sure you do, random MP3s that I love. Sometimes I play out you know, I put on a radio show and then that's it. And I'm just like, oh, it's like, it's like the secret sauce, like this, this early, early Madonna really danceable tune before she was anyone. And, and I was like, you know, that's why I do my TikToks. So I'm like, I listened to it one day. I'm like, yeah, I should tell people about this because this is cool. And sometimes they go viral, sometimes they don't, but it's like, you know, yes, bootlegs of early Madonna stuff is like, you don't find that on online it's no, and there's, there's, uh, you know, someone needs to talk about it.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad you do. And it's funny, actually, um, uh, hope, hope you don't mind me just going on a bit of a tangent back to the the cover version song, but one of those MP3s that lives in my library, a little small collection of it of, that I scoured from a blog somewhere was the discovery that Blondie's, um, uh, hanging on the telephone was a cover version also, oh uh, really yeah and the band is incredible that uh oh, wow. the original band oh man uh, um i'm not it's not coming to mind right now but oh yeah. the, the nerves the nerves i'm pretty sure it's the nerves. the nerves
1: okay okay
0: and they're like beautiful garage rock from san francisco and they have all these recordings that they was recorded like in their kitchen um yeah let me find let me just see if i can pull up
1: wow the yeah the wow the trio See these are the rabbit holes that like, I go down.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the nerves. Just it's it's easy to find. The nerve thank you, uh Kid Koo. Um you know, the nerves hanging on the telephone original forty five, nineteen seventy six. So it wasn't even that much later, and they were from Los Angeles. Uh yeah. Their their song wow. their 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 whole EP, that whole uh E P that they did is top garage rock.
1: Wow. Wow. <laughs> Never heard of them, which is a shame, I guess. Considering,
0: hey man, at Least I can do for all of the things you've put me onto. Um.
1: Ha <laughs> I'll have a listen for sure.
0: Yeah, um, but so you know, we we're, we're sim- similarly though. Where are you finding most of your music these days?
1: Um, see, I'm behind. Like, if I go live, people are like, "What did you think of the Kendrick album? What did you think of the?" Bjork album all that sort of stuff it's like I think the way that I've always treated music is I'm I'm not in any rush
0: <laughs> because
1: mm. it's, it's out doesn't mean I need to have a reaction and a listen straight away because it's out and it's going to be out for the rest of my life so it's like you know um, I think I don't I don't I'm not like of that type that I need to like play it as soon as it comes out and have an opinion on it I think I still like to find music that connects with um people's stories like i still love reading interviews with people and they talk about what what really influenced them i really like seeing um i don't know i i i find i connect more with music when i get a bit of context behind it rather than so like radio shows dj sets sure that's that's a very easy place but i think that like i i always scour and read lots of different articles and you know things and artists like, you know, random artists playlists on Spotify that like no one not no one listens to, but that's they want to express their taste. I kinda like digging into those because it's more like all the story behind the story type thing. Um and I I feel like I'm inside their head. So like for example like I, I don't know if she's still up but like you know, a year or so ago I was really into Rosalia's Oh yeah. Spanish music playlist, you know? Um, because of what she grew up on and I'm like okay there's an in here which is not just I'm listening to anything like Spotify's Spanish music playlist this is like her favorite songs that influence who she and you hear it and you're like oh wow I hear it you know so that, that I mean then those songs become the songs that like I really deeply mess with because it's, it's so much deeper than like you know beast mode the playlist or whatever you know um <laughs> There's an inbuilt story and a history, w- like woven into the songs, just by the fact that she curated it. Um, so I think that's that's where I find a lot of music that I love.
0: That's awesome because it does double t- dovetail quite nicely into the fact that you have some incredible playlists um, on your website, derekg.com. Hmm. That's G with t- <laughs> yeah. Um And yeah, yeah. yeah, like you've got the uh, what's the one that I thought was really cool? Uh, of course, of course, Frank has a whirly, which is a playlist dedicated to the fact that Frank Ocean has a Whirlitzer, um yeah, which yeah. is so cool um thank yeah. you for making that
1: Oh you enjoyed it
0: well yeah I, I mean i that's the kind of shit I love, man like I like whirlitzers and I like Frank Ocean, and I want to know more
1: <laughs> you know' <laughs> well, it's, I've, I've I've always always always, and I mean that quite sincerely, like for probably a decade wanted to make a playlist of all my favorite songs. That have a Fender roads in it. But I just realized it takes so much time because you can't Google you can Google it, but you can't Google your favorite songs that have Rhodes in it. So it would take me to go through my entire collection, listen to it, and put them in a playlist. But um so I've never I've never done it. But, um And, and then this I saw this Frank Ocean image and I was like, oh, he's got a he's I thought it was a Rhodes at the time, and then I looked at it, it was a World so and I'm like, oh, Okay, well maybe this is the time to make a version of that playlist because Rhodes Welitzes—they're kind of similar but different—and then put in a bit of time finding some of my most loved tracks with Welitzes in it. And you know, I—I I, I don't know how many followers it's got on that playlist—thousands, uh, I'm sure. But like, like I've been—I guess this is a bit of a tangent, but like before TikTok, if my friends—it was just my friends following me on Instagram—every week or month I'd put together, Derek GFM, my little playlist. And I share it, Derek GFM updated, Derek G updated. And like it it circled between 70 and 90 likes for years. But I like after I stopped my radio shows and I'm um, a couple years, but I did it because it meant something to me. And I feel like all of this training, right? Like radio shows, digging into music, making a playlist literally for like two of my friends to go yes every time and, and everyone, everyone else going like oh it's Derek sharing his dumb playlist <laughs> and now I'm making playlists that as soon as I share it, it gets thousands of people and they love it and people are like thank you so much I've listened to it so much and I've discovered all these things and I'm like oh I still think that no one listens to this and it's just me doing this because I nerd out over whirlets of playlists and stuff like that so it's really cool to now like connect with people around the world over something that I've always done, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the best thing about this whole situation and why I really wanted to talk to you was that feeling of like kind of, yeah, that connection or whatever of like, oh, wow, you like this thing and you know lots about it too. And, you know, oh, wow, this is so cool. Like I'm learning yeah. more stuff too. Like that, that's the magic feeling.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, so this, it, this started, the playlist started because I made a video about going to a burger place in... Uh, manhattan and um it turned out that Richie sakamoto oh, was yeah. behind that playlist that was where it all popped off where like people are like, oh this guy's got good taste and his playlist is amazing and so i told this story on tiktok that i like these burgers and i asked where the playlist came from and they said it was from Richie sakamoto who he also does like a, a a very fancy like uh japanese there's a popular story on the internet about how he didn't like the music at a Japanese restaurant and then took over the music and does it for this bar as well. Same owner. And that playlist, I I wanted them to play my playlist in the bar. (laughs) So I made an ode to that place and the feeling that I got from it and the feeling that Ryuchi curated from it. And i made it. And I think I sent it to him during the pandemic and I was like, I'd love I made it for you. If you want to share it, you can share it. If you don't want to, you don't have to, but I just wanted to. They were like, thanks so much. And I don't think they did anything with it, which is fine. And then a year later or something, I was just, oh, funny story. I'll tell it on TikTok. Oh, yeah. And I made a playlist. And it's got, you know, 12,000 people flocked in and listened to it and love it and tell me about it all the time. And I'm like, that was such a personal thing. That was a personal relationship I have with this place and a feeling. And I sent it to these people because I had to, no one asked me to, and they didn't care about it. And now I'm sending like loads of customers there. Derek sent me here from TikTok. You know, you're on TikTok. <laughs> and it's like, oh God, I'm sorry. But it's really like, perhaps why I connect with people and people like you is like, because we're all similar in that way. We all make playlists around memories and places and sounds. And I wanted to cur- curate this thing that felt like this place. And, and connected me with people on the internet. And I didn't expect it. I didn't think, oh, this is gonna be popular. Oh, people are gonna love it. I'm like, ha, huh, you may as well listen to it. There's no one listening to it except for me. So you may as well listen to it. <laughs> and it kind of was the start of people going like, okay, he's more than just the person that talks about whatever. He actually knows what he's talking about and has some taste worth listening to, which is like kind of wild.
0: Yeah, well, like you said, you've been doing this for a long time. It's like, you've got the skills to back it up, which is kind of fantastic. Um, um, uh, I do have a I do have I will answer this question so it's uh, just in a second um, one of the things though that I thought was really um, was really cool about the story and I feel like we should just mention it, is Rauchi Sakamoto is an uh, incredible musician uh, hmm. uh, he was part of a famous group Yellow Magic Orchestra and has a, a very celebrated career on his own right in fact he had releases on Ninja Tune and he's always made incredible music Uh hmm. highly influential in every circle I think uh, I don't really know how to articulate this but I just feel like we need to like let people know if you don't know who that is go check him out cuz he's he's, he's Tom
1: York meets Brian Eno meets um who else craftwork meets he's everything he's yeah. he's one of a kind
0: yeah uh so yeah I really wanted to make sure that we didn't if everyone who's unsure of that person go find out who they are because yeah that 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 will that will be a great music discovery moment for everybody oh, yeah. um, if you haven't um, oh, yeah. so actually we do have we will be answering questions in here uh thank you kidku for popping in the Wikipedia uh, I mean yeah have a, a quick look at that that and you'll get a a, a gravity for how impactful and influential this person is um, mm. but so it's uh not sure if questions are being read but wondering how to get out of the mindset of creating the perfect playlist. Not not sure why I find making playlists so stressful. And I believe that would be for you, Derek, to answer.
1: It's an interesting question. I don't, I'm intrigued by why it might be stressful, because I think just make it for you. You know, I think there isn't such a thing as a perfect playlist. I think it's like, I, I do think a lot about like, it's like a dj set it's like it takes someone on a journey like most of my dj my playlists start slow because it kind of should it's like if you're opening you know if you're starting your set you don't start with a banger unless you want to start really high energy and keep going you know so i think make it for you but make it an experience like it sounds crazy to think that we're talking about this as a Expression because in, in some ways I find that a bit bullshit, but I think it's true. <laughs> like I say bullshit because it's like you're just filing something, <laughs> you know. you're, yeah. you're Like f- ordering stuff. It's still creation though. It is, and it's it's. I wouldn't go as far to say it's an art form, but it's like it's it is audio storytelling. You know, it's music storytelling, and you can really um do a lot. You can start with you know like an ambient track that goes that moves into some spoken word that moves into you know your favorite rock track and it kind of like I've wanted to like talk more or think more about this but like d j sets and like you know the human experience and in, you know it could be it can be tied to it almost like to not get not be too blue about it but like you know sexual sexual experiences in so much as like I've seen DJs talk about, you know, the obvious is climax, right? Like, you know, build up, you know, cool down, you know, there's, there's, you know, a, a point where you're really like introducing new things. I, you know, I, not to get too weird oh, about it, but I think that there's dynamic. like a human element to how you express music over time that can really get people in a place where it's like they want more of it and they you take them down this path until you 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 give the payoff and then bring them down and back up and i think that's it's very tribal in a way and i'm I'm getting a bit philosophical but i think there's a lot to be thought about and talked about in that kind of
0: realm absolutely i think that's that's very a very good way of putting it and i do think yeah whether we want to get into the like <laughs> interpersonal nature of it or not um it is still like a journey and and it's like a movie or a book a lot of things and or even like we talked earlier like cooking you know um and mm. the presentation is a really important part and i do think that maybe that can be paralyzing for people is like i have to share this with people and i mm. liked what you said like just doing it for yourself and similarly like i don't think um Playlists have to be like, uh, have a beginning or end even either. That's one of the great things I enjoy about making playlists is actually they evolve and they are actually like a nice way of Mm. looking at, because music and time have such an interesting relationship, right? As far as memories and things go, you know, you can start a playlist in 20, now say 2022 and you can keep adding to it till 2030 or 2032 and you can look back on it and go, wow, look at all these things that I discovered over these years. That would be, that is also something like I enjoy about listening to people's playlists is like their lifetime of yeah. music collection and their life experiences like you were saying.
1: Mm, it's like a very good way to f- understand empathy. I think it's also, you know, our five senses are a very good. Like the closest thing we have to time travel. Like, and I think about that a lot. Like you'll hear a song that you forgot about and haven't heard in 25 years. And it will take you right back there, yeah. you know, and that's incredible or a smell, you know, like I still sometimes smell the smell. Of what it sounds like smells of a, like the like basketball card packet, you'll smell it in something and you'll go, Oh my gosh, I'm right back there. Yeah. And I think that that's such a powerful thing that's stored in these, like now zeros and ones. Yeah, like I think It's it. personal to you or you could remind someone else of it and you can like t- totally take the them to this place to go on a tangent real quick, like one of my favorite DJ experiences was at a, a place in London, it was like a, a listening bar type thing. And no one was there. And there was a family um just grabbing some food. You know, expensive hi-fi bar, no one was there because the weather was too nice. And the mum was with her kids, and she just took the chair, ignored her kids, put it in the middle of the room face the speakers and like close their eyes. And I'm pretty sure there are tears in her eyes. And I was just, I was playing some, some, uh, Edda James track. Um, and it was, that was kind of like, that's why you do it. Like to me, it's like, yeah, it's like I'm not a rave DJ. And she was just like, hold on a second, hold on. <laughs> this is my song and this is a moment. And she took it all in. She drank it all up. And I'm like, hell yeah, you you know, you enjoy that. I I I can if I can provide that to you, it's like my pleasure. That's it was so nice.
0: Yeah, that's got to be the a very fulfilling moment for your life.
1: Yeah, special. It's that. like you're transmitting something through someone else to you know. Yeah, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, that that's pretty magical, man. Um, I mean, yeah, I think that's what we all strive for when we do DJ sets, right? Is to have some kind of connection and when it works it's that feeling uh man yeah, yeah. that's that must have been yeah. really special
1: yeah i'll never forget it it was um was it my funny valentine like it was a track that kanye sampled um, by etta james at somewhere but you know it works on so many levels and it's it's nice that's where i talk about there's not many places where you can do that where you can just play some crusty old song that i love out loud <laughs> you know and someone to go oh my God, you know, um, so I hope to do more of that in my lifetime.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cafes, man. I feel like cafes and bars. I, it's it's one, I mean, I don't want to get too deep into it, but it's like my relationship with music and alcohol and, you know, kind of consumption of illicit substances. I get, I get really frustrated personally with that because similar mm. to you, I just really, like the music is enough of a high often times for me. And I'm not tr- yeah. discrediting anybody who wants to do yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever they wanna do. But to have an option and a place that you can go where you don't have to be drunk <laughs> or be high to appreciate mm. music is 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 similarly like one of those things even we were talking about finding a space for those to live. Because obviously that's not gonna be that lucrative. Obviously yeah. the, the bars sell yeah booze and that's why you're having exactly music or feels the same thing but yeah it always
1: comes back to that doesn't it yeah. the, the economics the, the driver the economic drivers of success yeah and what i do is not that
0: yeah yeah exactly <laughs> i think there's a balance like you can definitely like find it perhaps like i mean that's been the struggle personally i'm sorry if i'm oversharing, but you know that's always been like no. the challenge and as a dj is like oh how do you like you know do the thing that you love uh, without sacrificing too much of your integrity of, you know, working with, in places where people are often harassed, molested, uh, you know, poisoned. And, you know, mm. that that that's something that, true. you know, we have to kind of think about if we want to maintain a career and that, you know, and yeah, it's dangerous yeah. for a lot of people, right?
1: Yeah, it's heavy. That's very true. It's, um, it's the DJ, it's not the DJ responsibility, but it's like, At the same time, it's like you see like events where things get too crazy and you, when things get crazy, you, the DJ is kind of responsible for like how people have gotten there, how it makes people feel. It's kind of very animalistic in certain ways.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, again, I don't want to go too far down this, but Travis Scott and being, you know, held accountable for the Astro World stuff. And it's like, man, like that's a, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to take a side on that, but like, it's, you know, um. It's a very complicated discussion because, you know, it, you are somewhat in control, but you're also not. So, like, how can you be responsible for people's actions, you know? It's yeah. Like, it, you're firing people up, but <laughs> you can't, it's, once they're fired up, you can't tell them to stop.
1: I don't know how you recover from being a part of something where life, loss of life, happens that's getting very deep and dark and we, this is a light podcast but yeah it's like yeah yeah lives are precious every single one and, and to to bring people together by the tens of thousands is incredible to lose even one is like i don't know how i'd be able to continue <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: so uh, you know i guess on when you have that much mass of people something's bound to happen at some point
0: and i think there's also like that discussion about you know, like someone like Avicii or whatever, where there's all these people that are around you that depend on you, that all of a sudden you're responsible for their well-welfare and well-being, and may, mm. they may not have your best interests either. So it's like again, comes back to the econ- economics of it all. But mm. um, without going too, f- <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> cut it there because I know that we could get pretty deep on that. For um, sure, for sure. We gotta be careful with the energy. Um, <laughs> but um, on the positive side of things that, that you're doing. Um, you know you've uh well you've talked to people like mr hudson on your channel um and and you're you know you're really shining a light on a lot of cool things that maybe people don't know about your hi-fi mm. stuff and the other day you posted mm. about the sound burger this is probably a very <laughs> weird trend uh, <laughs> way to transition but uh <laughs> this is so cool um, battery operated
1: or oh, you can plug it in as well it's got a handle on it you can uh, sorry, should I explain what it is?
0: Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so in the eighties, I think Audio Technica had this. Sony had a similar one as well, where it's like a portable record player um, with a handle. Um, it has it's battery powered, uh, and it's basically like a little like it's like a it's like you, it's, it is like a sound burger. but the the, the the record is the patty and on either side of it these kind of clamps together and and holds the record and um so f- celebrating their 60th anniversary of being audio technica they announced that they were releasing i think 2000 of these um but they're like a new and updated version with like that has bluetooth and usb c and all sorts of stuff and look i i mess with things that it's just quirky and interesting and I have a design background. And so there's a small amount of people in, in my comments when I shared about it, that's like, it doesn't sound good. It's all this sort of stuff. I was like, I don't care. It's cool.
0: So cool. <laughs> Who cares about the rest of it? Well, and it also kind of maybe solves a certain problem about having places to share music. You could probably play that anywhere, right? Nowadays
1: yeah yeah it's well like look i i do find like record players with bluetooth slightly like hurts my brain a little bit in terms of like analog and digital but it's like how things are consumed these days and i think it's yeah you can bring a record player to the park you can stream it via bluetooth it looks cool it feels cool it's like i don't know i I like weird tech you know weird tech should always exist
0: yeah, it is just, yeah, the design side of it is so very, I mean, I can't believe, is it, is it their 60th anniversary or is it the, the Soundburger? it can't be the Soundburger's 60th anniversary. No, no,
1: no yeah, it's Audio Technica, I had to research that because I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> I don't think that was around 60 years ago.
0: Yeah, that's right, to celebrate the 60th anniversary of Audio Technica, okay, cool, it's, it's yeah. 40 years old though, that's...
1: Yeah, I, I want one, I'm not going to get one because I don't need another thing, but they're cool. And I thought people should know about it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, if you're a beat maker or whatever and you're into getting dusty in the crates, uh, this might be a useful tool. Especially with USB C. That's it. great.
1: Yeah, exactly. Future.
0: But uh, since we're talking about the sound burger, what is your dream hi fi setup?
1: Um, <laughs> my dream hi fi setup is having a place where I can listen loud to music without disturbing anyone. <laughs> because like, you know, I, I live in an apartment. Um, I think my dream hi fi setup is my office. That's a massive listening room. And I can just like, cause I, you know, I have headphones and earphones and stuff like that. And I, you know, you have to like be conscious of many different things. And I think that that is like, I've talked on my channel a little bit about like music in the air. And like how important that is and how we don't not enough people do it Um, and I would like to do that as much as possible but there is a consideration for people around you Mm. and the stuff you listen to Um, so in ideal world I have like a a prism that I enter that no one (laughs) one could hear (laughs) inside and people can join if they like Um, but I think in terms of uh, setup um, you know my setup is pretty decent Um, In terms of like the speakers anyway that I have, but like um, I'm very much into, this is going to sound like the nerdiest thing I've said about hi-fi because my TikTok started talking about hi-fi and I'm not as into it as people think I am. But um, (laughs) uh, there are these things called clipshorns, which are like as tall as me, you know, you know, and they are meant to sit in corners of rooms and they're meant to fill the room with sound and um david mancuso was famously you know new york loft parties used that at, at it, like at the start of like dance music culture and i think that i would love to have those i have a the smaller version of those i was going to say mini but the speakers I have are this size uh, like washing machines. So they're not mini, um, but the half size version of those. And I think that the dream is to just have a room surrounded by these speakers with, you know, me in the center and, you know, and, and playing, I don't really care as much about like what record player or if I play records or, or MP3s or anything like that. I think it, sure there's a quality question, but like, yeah, it's more about like big speakers that push air in a room that I can do loud is the perfect setup.
0: I've, I've got a visual picture now in my mind uh, of like a Frank Gehry designed house with like uh, Herman Miller fillet furniture in it and these yeah, speakers yeah, yeah, yeah. with enough space, maybe in the woods somewhere or on a nice island. Yeah, oh, remote yeah. enough where you can just sound bath yourself and just take yeah. it all in. Yeah, that sounds yeah. really yeah,
1: exactly. sweet. Precisely. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's very personal. Um, and I do it sometimes in my apartment, but it's like, you can only be so obnoxious for so long. And like the thing is about those speakers, the ones I'm talking about these, like, uh, um, horn. I, th- I, I think I cut, cut myself off. The, the thing I, I I'm interested in is horn horn loaded speakers is what they call them. Cause they push the, the music out in wide into space is, um, it, electronic music sounds incredible on it, which you wouldn't think for like really old speakers, mm. but I think, electronic music and that's probably why they worked in like with David Mancuso there's like a it just pushes out this like because it's not like super sub sub bass and it's like it's all like lots of mid-range lots of danceable. like you need that in the air it feels like you're in your own little festival type thing so I think you know ideal would be looking out to the ocean and having you know this set up one day so check back with me when in in Fifty years and see where I am. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be there.
0: That sounds lovely. Um, and uh, yeah. Am
1: I, uh, am I allowed to ask about yours, or is that not the point of this podcast? Oh, uh, yeah. Like mean, ideal.
0: Not really qualified, honestly. Um, I don't think to to really have a uh a, a, a opinion on that. Um, I don't know enough about it. Um, I have like I make music, so I have like some Yamaha HS80s, and I have some Genelex mm-hmm. down there, and. I used to work in uh, at a music retailer so I got like an understanding of studio mm. monitors but that was really kind of like my right. limitation of speaker understanding but I watched The Maestro yeah. which is the documentary about uh, David Mancuso and the, and the loft which uh, I think is on YouTube The Maestro.
1: That. Oh really?
0: Yeah, it, maybe uh, it was that. when I watched it but it was great because he talked about it talked about like yeah what he created the loft for and the experience was very similar actually to what you're talking about where he, I mean you probably know this but for anyone who's listening who doesn't, was like, he really wanted to create it. The Loft was an an atmosphere where it was really to go to appreciate music. And I mean, obviously there was drugs and stuff, but (laughs) but it wasn't like designed for, it wasn't a bar. It was like a space where people could hang out. And so I do think that like the intention of that is like, that says a lot about why it was what it was and why the music that came out of it are, are what it was. Uh, is why it's so special and so magical is because yeah, the intention behind what he was trying to create was not a club, it was not uh economically motivated it was motivated as a sanctuary, a safe place for people of different mm-hmm. backgrounds and or sexual orientations and identity and stuff like that to hang out mm-hmm. and i th- i I think that's so beautiful, man like <laughs> mm-hmm. i just I love that, and I love that music is part of that like that was the central peace was like the music is going to bring us all together and i'm like that's just fucking beautiful
1: hell yeah and and maybe that's what's happening with like you and i like connecting and and what i'm doing on tiktok and i think that like i did as most of us or everyone on here grew up on the internet and i think that like we want we do crave connection and connection through music and like i am not i'm very comfortable to say i am not a club person or a festival person but i am a person that likes to listen to music loud mm-hmm. you know and yeah. i think that you know uh people connect with me over that and i'd like whether that place exists in real life or maybe it is like this on the internet where we can kind of share and talk and experience and learn and then you know um take that into our own personal realms and if i i have i for better or for worse, influenced a lot of people to buy big speakers, <laughs> <laughs> which is not the intention. But it's like brilliant if you can like you know blast your favorite songs. Um, it's a, quite a nice influence to have.
0: Yeah, I mean, you also do the, the, the them a favor of have known about great headphones too, which I, I appreciate. Mm. Um, so yeah, thank you for mm. that. Those posts as well. It's cool because like yeah, obviously, the, I think one of the things I really appreciate about stuff like that though is that you're show you're showcasing that there's more options than just Beats by Dre or Uh, bows or I mean bows are great but you know Mm. um that what you initially see you know skull candy or something you know there's like another layer there's another level you can go and it's not necessarily going to be marketed to you but if you know about it and these are boutique small companies you can really have an experience that you would otherwise not and you celebrate that and I love that
1: yeah thank you I appreciate that because I I I don't like audio culture I think it's so lame. It's like people that are more interested in the the technology than they are in music. And I have a family friend that will chew my ear off about all the equipment they have, but they couldn't tell me one song they like, you know, (laughs) and it's, I know it's like, and when I first started my channel uh, on TikTok and I shared my speakers, because I thought it would, people would find it entertaining. All these people were hating on what my setup looked like and all And it was all men and it was all like, why don't you this? Why don't you, you don't know this. And it's just like, dude, like who cares what I have? Or like, it's my room. Like, and I think <laughs> yeah. what I'm trying to do is like bring a human side to, I don't, I just, I talk about mostly music, but sometimes audio stuff. And I try to humanize it. It's like, this is what's good about it. This is what you'll get out of it, you know? And I think for me, anything regarding audio and is that I've heard a speaker and gone, I didn't know music could sound like this. That's where that's all. It's not about like wave guides and frequency responses and stuff like that. It's like, what? Like it's quite spiritual. <laughs> yeah. And, and then you're like, and, and then unfortunately it is a bit addictive. It's like, I want to hear that again. You know, I, and it doesn't, I, I listen to songs played off my phone. If I'm in the kitchen and I don't have a speaker on me and I enjoy the song as much, as much, but if you can afford to, or if you're interested to explore it, you can also find a version of that where if you've got the time energy space that you can hear these songs in ways you've never heard them before. And, um, I think that's an incredible thing that not many people know about because we've got our Bluetooth speakers, we've got our little earphones and stuff like that. And it doesn't take away from the songwriting and the song and how much you enjoy it. But I think it like is so special when you do hear it and it's like can really like alter your brain in certain ways.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's so important, especially for DJs because I think we hear music on big systems so much and we understand that almost like by second nature, right? Like does it, I think a lot about how DJ music a lot often is made purely just to be played loud. You know, like because yeah. some of the songs just sound like shit when you listen to them on your computer. You're like, "What? Who would listen to this?" Oh, that's oh. right. You're meant to play it on a massive system with fifty thousand people. Got it?
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's I have a, a big bugbear about um, like low level, mid level volume music because mm. <laughs> it's like you're not pushing enough air for it to actually express itself. It's like you can. <laughs> you you can completely change the experience of a song by turning it up. I've heard songs that it's just like oh yeah, whatever and then you play it loud and it's like this is actually amazing and it's like it's meant to hit you. Yeah. You know, it's not meant to be like yeah, you know. Um so I don't know, I think the people that resonate with me on that that I like I want people to hear the music they love as good as they can or can afford in in some aspects of their life, really.
0: Yeah. Um, hey, look, I realize we've we've taken up a lot of your time here, uh, Derek, and, and I and everyone else who's listening. Thank you so much for sticking with us through this conversation. There's just a couple questions um, I have before we we wrap it up. Um, so you know, there's many other questions I'd like to talk to you about. So perhaps another time. But I um, oh, yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. For now. Um, I think you know you kind of touched on this um it's literally what our podcast is about, and we ask everybody this question um who comes on the show. but I would like to know what the power of music means to you
1: deep um, i think i I think I touched on a lot of it in this conversation, which is good. it's like um it is a like Okay, this is going this just came to my head I'm gonna sound like a dickhead for saying it, but like it's like a you know vibrational expression of who you are. it's like it's like you know what you're feeling at that very very moment like I, I notice the types of music I play at certain times. you connect on that same wavelength. I'm very cognizant of like what I want to listen to on like a Saturday morning is very specific to ah it's Saturday let's I always play something loud and I play something very open and bright and it's just you know it's it catches you on that wavelength and like you know it's like study music or like you know you listen to a a a banging house set when you're working and stuff like that and it matches that energy or lifts you up or or like you know if you're really sad or you're in a breakup you listen to something really sad like you kind of find the soundtrack you know, that vibration that matches with you, that kind of like you envelop into this whole, like you can kind of transport yourself to like a time or place or like inside yourself. It's like, it's got a lot of power to like internalize or externalize your, your feelings um, at that very moment and connect. Um, You know, I'm, I'm not a spiritual person, but it's probably the closest thing to it for me, you know, in terms of connecting with something that is obviously someone made and is tangible, but as, also has this like magic to it that you just can't create on your own
0: that's it man i i it's <laughs> great to hear you say that the that because it is a very unique answer um i mean often we get a lot of similar answers but the vibrational aspect of it is is really is really cool man i really like that
1: it's a. Yeah. Well, it's like a sound waves, right? It's kind of the creepy thing about it. It's like, you can't see it, but you can feel it. And, um, you know, it's it's... almost like
0: witchcraft, right? Like people talk about it.
1: You know, some people would hate it because it's like very woo, woo. It's very like, uh, uh, you know, it's the same, it could be put in the same realms as like horoscopes and things, but it's like, (laughs) there is such a thing as like chemistry and vibe and and, and mood and tone, and you know when things are tense in a room, you know when you know it's it's instinctual it's like that whole thing of like animals know when there's an earthquake or a tsunami happening, and they can go up high before us humans know because they feel it, yeah right, and it's like we're we are animals, we are animals, and um that's unfortunate to say, but it's true, and uh yeah, I think that where we are very often disconnected with that and i think that music does connect us more with like you know in tuning ourselves with that so i don't know that's my
0: that's (laughs) awesome yeah that's that's really good man and i I thank you so much um one of the other things i thought you did on your TikTok channel which was really awesome was you talked a little bit about um a little earlier about you talked about how you initially started posting a lot about hi-fi stuff and then you kind of made a concerted effort to post about other things and you mm. also talked a little bit about um, just kind of the democratization of DJ culture, and I, and I would recommend anyone who hasn't mm. watched that to mm. check it out on your channel. But um, could you just quick, maybe quickly, just talk about your feelings about that, um, if you know what I'm referring to?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah, I was talking about like I'm seeing a lot of, especially young women DJs, showing their process of learning how to DJ on TikTok, which is like. As you would, know, as you would know, Matt, like a no-no in DJ culture. It's like you, but that was always my anxiety. I didn't have decks back in the day. I didn't know how to DJ. I didn't have any friends who DJ. I didn't know how to do it, and that probably just wigged me out of being a club DJ altogether because I just didn't know where to start, how to do it, what to play, what to you know. And um, the culture isn't built for that. You're meant to turn up and know what you're doing. Mm. And the first time I did a DJ set, I brought like a, you know, like a, a controller box and I brought all this stuff and cables and it was like, it was feeding back and it was all wrong and it was all stressful and it was quite traumatic. And it was like, the opposite is happening on TikTok where like people are like, oh, I want to learn how to dj i'm going to learn and i'm going to do day one day two and i'm going to share that process and i think that is the democratization of it and i think you know the cons of it are that like djs are meant to like serve the people and they aren't meant to be like just like the center of attention they are more so now and that's just how the culture is going but i do think it's important that club culture isn't just gate kept people that you know you have to know so much about music and all the technical things and like I see people talk about the sync button (laughs) in a more favorable way this these days because it's like yeah because it's true the sync button is not where you define your music tastes and it's like um you've got bpms on the screen you've got the sound wave on the screen it's all sync you know like if I can line up To the if I can visually line up where the start of the song is, I'm using sync. You know, the only place where you can't do that is vinyl, and that's its own gate thing as well. But it's like everyone get over it. Like if you can play music that makes people move and have a good time, then then you're you're good. If you can't, you know, get you can get better at it. But I think there's so many like you can't do that. You can't do that, and it's I do think it's very male driven. It's like the audiophile world. It's like You can't use these cables. You can't do that. And it's like, I don't, people shouldn't care about that. It's just music. It's not that serious. It's just like we're pressing buttons and we're we're introducing people to stuff. And I I think lastly, like if I share a song, people say, no, I'm gatekeeping this. And it's like music, you didn't make the song. Like they made the song for people to hear. It's not up to you. Like it's, if someone likes it, then they should other people should like it too and if you want to share it with people they should and it's it's you know i think music needs to be out to as many people as possible and i think um yeah the d- people embracing dj culture uh, and djing and sharing the process is like a, a wonderful evolution
0: that's awesome yeah i was really i was really particularly taken with that and i was thinking like almost like what can we do to make sure more people feel included. And I know that might be like the biggest no-no of all time, but you know, how do you, I mean, that's literally what I do for my job, you know, is like educate people on things that our software does. And I have so much joy in doing that. Like this is, I'm so grateful to have my job for that sole reason of being like, here, check this out. How are you going to use it? You know, I'm like, yeah, that's really sweet.
1: I see some people do crazy things with the sync button too. It's a tool. Oh Yeah. Like oh, where yeah. they just, they've just they got like five, six tracks going at one time and they're using the faders as its own thing. And it's yeah. like, well, wait, what? like
0: <laughs> Oh, absolutely. You only have two hands. Like, you know, if you want to do more than two things, then sync, you need it. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I'm glad that you feel that way. And I, I, that's kind of always my counter to the people that are like anti, anti-sync. I was like, okay, dude, like you understand how to mix two songs together. That's cool. But like you can do so much more with sync because you all of a sudden don't have to manage those two things staying together. You can add more things and add other yeah. elements and add other people and everyone will be together and that's a good thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And day. it's like those dinosaurs die out and I think that it, you, you give tools to new new generations to play with and find new ways to do stuff with. And I think that's like the epitome of TikTok, right? Like it was started as people du- duetting each other and dancing mm. to music. And now it's like you and I connecting over stuff that's very deep and nuanced, but there's enough people that connect with it. And like, I'm sure they didn't design it for someone like me to be on there. <laughs> and I didn't plan to be someone like that on there, but it works and now we're here. And it's like a, ultimately a positive thing. This which is why I will always be like a defender of TikTok when people go, uh, you know, I was like, dude, you don't understand if you're on there, it's so positive most of the time, you know, and people want to share and people want to educate themselves and people want to talk and and yeah, it's it's amazing.
0: Well, I, I hope that um, I can do that same thing for you and Twitch at some point, um, because I, I do think there will be a parallel there um, that you will also find very um, rewarding. Um, I hope so. But yeah, please continue. Thank you so much for, for being our guest today and thank you for sharing what you share on TikTok and here today. Um, and is there anything or anybody that you'd like to shout out or or mention at this moment or shout out you
1: (laughs) shout out you Matt. yeah i think your questions have been excellent you're a really great interview and uh, i think uh it's you 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 allow a very you know interesting conversation to flow and uh i appreciate it i think it was uh, like you know i didn't think that speaking for you you put this amount of time (laughs) in my calendar and i'm like i don't know what we're gonna do um (laughs) And uh, uh, we could keep talking for hours. So I think that that's that's a a really, really sweet thing. So thank you.
0: Thank you so much, man. Honestly, when I put the time on the calendar, I have a bit of an existential crisis of like, how can I make this enjoyable for people? So thank you. And thank you to everyone who tuned in. Uh, Ricky Rock, Altrain. Great to see you, Altrain from Manchester as well. So it's Sue, Stevie Pree. And I know I'm missing people. Burnt CDs, uh, Love, Lisa. Uh, Kit Koo, I think I said you already. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone who's listening. DJ Amber, the Good Music Twitch fam, Random Play. Um, yeah, everyone who listens later, um, Antark, Antarc- uh Antarctica? I'm sorry. And Architecture. Yeah, that cute, thank you. Thank you guys. <laughs> um, thank you everyone. And make sure you follow Derek on TikTok. Um, and yeah, tune in next time we have this. I'm not actually sure when our next interview is going to be, but uh I'm sure you'll be able to stay tuned to Serato to to be aware of when we we have the next guest on here. But thank you again, Derek. Um, thank hope you, you enjoy so your much. day in in Sydney, Australia.
1: Thank you. Have a good evening. Thanks, thank everyone. You. Bye. Bye.